turn to the scriptures and we will hear them another, sing another piece before we go home in the Lord's will. Let's go to the book of Genesis, please. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Tonight's subject is the Proto-Evangelium. The Proto-Evangelium. And Genesis chapter 3, we'll read one verse and then we'll go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 3 and verse 15. The Lord is speaking here after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden and he's speaking to the serpent. And the Lord says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now if you will go to chapter 4 please and just let your eye run down to verse 7. The Lord is now speaking to Cain. And he says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry and song. We thank you, Lord, for the people you've brought here tonight under the sound of your word. We thank you, Lord, for everyone who's left their home on a windy night to come here and sit under this roof. And, Lord, under your word. We pray, Father, for those that are watching, those who are unable to come, those who have been away this day, we pray for them, Lord, that you would bless them. Maybe the sick at home, Father, or maybe even someone here in our midst that needs a touch from you. We pray, O oh God, you would meet them at the point of their need. And again, Father, we think of we baby Jacob, Lord, and we pray for Robert and Ruth, Lord, that they would get good news soon about their grandson. He's only a wee sparrow, Lord. May I ask you to look his way. And Father, to that end, we pray for those that are coming here. As our faces differ, so do our needs. And we pray, O oh God, that you would meet each and every one of us at the point of our need. There are those who are unsaved, and there are those who are cold in heart, and there are those who are indifferent and backslidden and away from thee. And there are those, Father, the Lord, who just need you in a special way in their life. So we pray, O oh God, that you would meet each and every one of us, that you would anoint this man again with fresh oil. Take my clay lips and use them. Employ them for your glory. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted and magnified. That Christ would be seen. And this man hidden behind the cross. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. The Proto-Evangelium. It simply means the beginning or the first gospel. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Here is the promise of the Savior. Think about this. You're fallen in the garden. Uh, death has been pronounced over Adam and Eve. For they have disobeyed the voice of the Lord. And hence there's no hope. There's no salvation for them. But even in the midst of all of it. The Lord in his grace. Speaking to the serpent. Speaking to the devil, he speaks of a saviour who would come. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And from this moment onwards, we know that the prophesied Christ, the prophesied Messiah, the Son of God would come. And from this very moment onwards, the devil has tried to thwart the plan of God. He has tried to step in and he's tried to get ahead of God. He's tried to slay the very seed of God before the Christ could be birthed from his people. Notice this, it says, And thou shalt bruise Thou shalt, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now scholars say this speaks of the singular of Christ and it does. But others say not only the singular but of the seed of Abraham 
from Noah, Shem, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, speaks of the seed, and it does. But out of that seed would come the Savior. And so we find that the devil in every way tries to thwart the plan of God. That you might not be saved. That you might not be redeemed. That you and I and multiple millions upon millions like us through time would be lost and undone and still in our sin if the devil could thwart the plan and the purposes of God. Will you look with me at chapter 4, please? Verse 7. The Lord says to Cain after rejecting his sacrifice of the fruit of the ground and of the works of his hand. If thou doest well. In other words, if you come the way I have said. If you come the way I have ordained. He says, if thou doest well, thou shalt, not, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, if you don't come the way that I have set it out, the way I demand it, if you do not come, he says, then sin lieth at the door. In other words, you're not free from your sin, and your sin will have dominion over you. That sin would be a ruler and a tyrant over you. And hence we find here that Cain is wroth with God and with Abel. It says in verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. I want you to note something here, for it seems to be of the utmost importance. There was a conversation in the field. And we're not sure, we don't know, but there are some old writings, old Jewish writings even, and they believe that Abel was prophesying to Cain. Abel was telling him the way to come through the blood of the Lamb. But Abel was prophesying to Cain that the Redeemer would come through the seed of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob. Now, whether that be true or not, we do not know. But listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, please. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, just for a couple of verses or so. Verse 49. The Lord Jesus says, Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them shall slay and persecute. And the blood of all the prophets which is shed, notice the blood of all the prophets which is shed from the foundation of the world. Now where was the prophet from the foundation of the world, if not it be Abel? It may be required of this generation. Notice from the blood of Abel, Unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Now the Lord Jesus is speaking to the Jews and the Pharisees, the leaders of his day. Looking back to Abel, he said he was a prophet. And the prophets from the foundation of the world, even Abel, right until the last prophet, that was in the Old Testament, he says, all their blood from their rejection by you, you will answer for. And hence they did when they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So was Abel a prophet and was he prophesying repentance to Cain while he talked with him in the field? We don't really know, but it seems in our in our Bibles, in the book of Genesis, that Cain was uh, petty about uh, favoritism that he's seen God have over himself toward Abel. But God had no favoritism here in this sense. He said, come by the blood of the Lamb, and you will be accepted. But Cain thought, I will come my own way. I will come with the work of my hands. I will come with my own doings. And tonight, even in the year 2022, even we hear that men think they'll still come unto God. Women still think they will come unto God their way and not by his prescribed and commanded, directed way 
through the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a trait down through time right until this very moment. The first seemingly slight entrance, notice it seems a slight entrance that a man would sin in the garden, whatever that sin may be. And when he took of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it seems a slight entrance of sin. Sure, why would God not forgive him? Why would God just not let it go? Why would God not let it slide? When Adam had just sinned, it seems so slight. But here's the thing, and it's, it's shown throughout time, that sin will take you further than you ever meant to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever meant to stay. And sin will cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. And hence with a slight sin, seemingly a slight sin, we find that Cain commits the first murder. That Cain commits the first murder. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm drying out with the heat here. Notice it becomes much more greater. It becomes bitter and devastating. And hence it comes through the whole of humanity that people would be willing to kill so easily. This is called fratricide. Fratricide. Whenever a sibling or whenever a brother or a sister will kill a sibling. Notice here Cain comes and fratricide is started when a brother is willing to kill whom he deems as his brother. And the thing about it is that the, the Lord Jesus himself, even from the, the Ten Commandments, the Lord Jesus amplifies the commandment, doesn't do away with them. He amplifies the commandment. For example, the the sixth commandment is, I shalt do no murder, thou shalt not kill. But it means murder, because the murder of an innocent was allowed to be, uh, to be challenged and others to be found guilty that they would be then lose their lives. It was a life for a life. So an innocent, God said it, that if an innocent was killed, then that murderer could be put to death. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said. He says that when we do things in our heart, for example, adultery in the heart, in the mind, to murder, to say, Racha, to murder the brother, the sister in the heart. He says, you've already committed it if you've hated them without that cause. And they are innocent of that. Notice what John says in 1 John 3 and verse 15. He says, if any man hateth his brother, he's committed murder. And hence it is amplified, not even in the act of murder. And what we're seeing is what God thought of Cain when he killed Abel. He amplifies it. They go and kill someone who's innocent. Christ amplifies it. Christ amplifies the sin to let us see that we're more in need of a Savior than we ever deemed ourselves in need. Christ amplifies it that you and I might see our, our depravity, our inability of salvation without him. And Christ amplifies it to say, even your very thought life you have committed murder in your heart if you've hated your brother or your sister. Spiritual, if you want, mental fratricide in the hearts of men and women. That's how much we need the grace of God. That's how powerful is the blood of Christ because the Lord looks upon this murder. He even says to Abel, where, or Cain, where is thy brother Abel? For his blood speaks to me. It cries to me from the ground. He says, and he's got us hated this. And he's hated it with a passion to the extent that his son, when he comes, he says, even if you hate in your heart, you're a murderer. You're an adulterer if it's adultery with bad thoughts and, and so on. Hence we see the magnification of sin in the life of the man and the woman. Even those who think they're good enough 
for glory. We say, well, here is what God thinks of the sinner without Christ. Here's what God sees when he looks at the sinner without Christ. It's amplified in the face of God. It's magnified in the face of God. It's bigger than you think in the face of God. And those things which we have thought or done and forgot about, it's still alive before the face of God, like Abel's brother, which was shed on the ground. And of course, John tells us if we have hated a brother or sister, we have murdered them, we've become a murderer. Hence we see this fratricide is thought of as very, very, very serious in the sight of Almighty God. Notice, when Cain killed Abel, when Cain killed Abel, the seed of the serpent was quickly striking the seed of the woman. Think about this now. Genesis 3 and 15, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman. This man's mindset was off the seed of the serpent. This man's mindset was overcome and overtaken to do murder. Fratricide of his brother. And it was the seed of the serpent who slew the striking blow to the seed of the woman. The Lord says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The serpent corrupted and beguiled the woman, Eve. And Adam failed to listen to God and so the man fell far from God and the woman's first seed of Cain was corrupted by the serpent and her second seed of Abel was murdered by Cain. And God looked on this at the seriousness of it. I need you to grasp hold of this because God sees the slaying of innocent blood and he detests it. So much so that Christ would amplify it even in the heart. And John would write it under the inspiration of the Spirit. And it's magnified in the face of God. And only the blood of Christ can forgive us and cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness. That fratricide is the killing of one's sibling. And this led to the, the degradation, the degradation, and the depravity of man. And we had infanticide then to try and stop the proto-evangelium to try to stop this first gospel coming the coming of the seed of the woman notice here in fantasy will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 1 please book of Exodus chapter 1 and let your eye run down please the verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Puha. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in. Unto them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. Infanticide is one of the worst, I suppose, in human terms. Infanticide is one who kills an infant, one who would slay the innocent infant. 
And here we're told in, in the book of Exodus that Pharaoh calls these Hebrew midwives and he says, when you see these Hebrew women giving birth, if it's a, if it's a girl, let her live. But notice, if it's a son, kill him. Why? Because the spirit behind the Pharaoh is the same spirit of Cain. It's that spirit to do away with the people, the seed of God, and hence from there, the seed of God, Christ himself, would not be able to come. You see, brothers and sisters, even in the world in which we live, we must understand the spirit that's at work in our world. Discerning of spirits, the spirit that's at work in government, the spirit that's at work in society, the spirit behind everything that's been happening this last while back, and it is growing with intensity. And even though our sisters here, it was Claire said that there were those who were afraid. Thank God, in this place we said we're not afraid. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of the devil. We're not afraid of another spirit. You know why we're not afraid? Because we're washed in the blood and we belong to Christ. Notice this, brothers and sisters and friends. The spirit behind the people involved. The spirit behind Pharaoh, false gods, heathen deities, ungodliness. It's the same spirit that's at work today. The spirit of the serpent. The spirit of the lion and thinking of Cain. Kill the man-child and you'll kill the Christ. Kill the man-child and kill the Christ and you'll kill all hopes of our redemption and our salvation. Can you see the plan and the purpose that God has went through time as he's worked alongside and through the people, people of destiny and with that heritage to bring forth the Christ to you and I? Can you see that which God has done? That God has kept his hand upon these people in order to bring forth the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world. That you and I might be forgiven. And this is what it costs. This is what it took that Christ would go all the way to the cross and that Christ would give his life to die for you and for me. Now in saying that, how do you think if you're not saved and you don't know Christ? How do you feel and what do you think? How would you stand before God after God has put all in plan and purpose and place in order that you might be saved. With what would you come before God with? And what spirit is behind you thinking differently? And what spirit is speaking to your ear? The spirit of the serpent to tell you to not believe the gospel of saving grace in Christ. Notice here, if you will, these two women, Shifra, and Pua. Shifra means fair. And I dug a little deeper into this and I found that her name means, gives the idea to be garnished with beauty. To be garnished with beauty. Maybe she was a beautiful looking woman. We don't know. Maybe she wasn't that attractive. We don't know. But that which was placed upon her, there was something beautiful about this woman. There was something beautiful about this woman. The second one, Pua, means splendid. And it comes from a root word, to glitter with brilliance. <laughs> to glitter with brilliance. And I don't know what these ladies look like, but for one thing we know is when they obeyed the voice of the Lord, when they walked in the ways of God, when they did that which God said and turned away from that which Pharaoh had said, now he does us do everything Pharaoh tells us to do. Go every place that Pharaoh tells us to go. Let Pharaoh have his hand on you. Let the Pharaoh, the kings of the world, let them rule you with the spirit behind them to kill the Christ in you. 
But I can tell you, when a man and a woman, when they fear God with a holy reverence, when they fear God and walk before him and obey God rather than men, when they esteem the approachable riches of Christ far more of worth than the whole of Pharaoh's throne and kingdom. I can tell you, friend, there's something beautiful about that person. It's called the beauty of holiness. The psalmist says to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know, there are some, I'll say ladies, I'll be honest, I don't want to say some good-looking men in case I'm taken up wrong, but there are some beautiful ladies to look at, but their hearts, their hearts, their hearts are dark, and it makes them ugly. Their hearts are ungodly, and it makes them unattractive. And then there are women who are ordinary ladies. They walk before God with a fear and a reverence and a holiness. And God does something so wonderful in them. They are garnished with beauty like Sipphra. And they glitter with brilliance like Pua. And it's called the anointing of the Spirit in their life and their heart. These ladies refused to obey, to kill the babies. I wish, oh hi, I wish that people would listen to this, that, that even the medical staff who are in the abortion houses would listen to this. There were women who were told by the king, by the pharaoh, to kill the baby. To kill the baby. But they refused because it was wrong before God. They refused because God's law was greater than man's. And God's will must prevail above all others, even the kings of this earth. And all that they would listen, a doctor, a nurse, or a whosoever, would hear that there's a beauty in following God. There's a beauty in holiness. And that they would stay their hands and have a conviction of heart rather than carry these things out. Shifra and Pua. Some might say, you think that there was a whole lot of books written about these two ladies. And that may, they may deserve it because of the lives they saved. But I can tell you, they don't need to because the Holy Ghost has marked them in the Word. And that is a greater accolade to have their names down. And listen, see, those of us who are saved, it doesn't matter about names. It doesn't matter about names up in lights. It, it doesn't matter about names in history books. It doesn't matter. You know where my name is? My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And your name, brother and sister, is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. These two ladies, you could write... And call them, and this is what I wrote down, beauty and brilliance. Beauty and brilliance. They defied Pharaoh as their faith and honor before God stood in greater standing. And look what it says in verse 20, if you will. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives. (laughs) You want the blessing of God, brothers and sisters? You want the blessing of God, friend, and you're not saved? Then come God's way. And forget the spirit of Cain that's telling you or or hindering you from coming to Christ. But brother and sister, you and I want the blessing of God in our lives. Then let's live according to his word. And let's walk according to his word. And let's love according to his word. God protected the midwives. And the people grew mighty. Infanticide. Listen to this for infanticide. Old Herod. Herod was a proselyte to Judaism, but he was an Edomite by birth. In Matthew 2 and 13, it says of Herod, that Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, the child Jesus, that is. 
In Matthew 2 and 16, it says of Herod, he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. In other words, he says, just in case I miss him, just in case I miss this Christ child, just in case I miss this so-called King of Heaven, this Messiah to come, just in case I miss him, make sure there's none who are over under two years of age. Do you know something, friend? There's people and they miss him all the time. They miss him in the word. They miss him in the preaching. They miss him in the meeting. They miss him. And Christ is going by and Christ is coming in and Christ is about to move and Christ wants to do and people miss him. You're going to miss him again? Are you going to miss him again? Are you going to miss him again? Are you going to miss the opportunity he offers? Are you going to miss the opportunity he brings? Are you going to miss him? Because the spirit behind this would have would have you reject him and miss him. Infanticide, or fratricide to infanticide. Listen to this one then. As Christ grows, it's deicide. This can be a bad word in some places, but nevertheless, we'll look at it. Deicide is the act of killing a divine being or a symbolic substitute of such a being. Deicide. Now, we know God cannot die. We know that he is the author of eternal life. And we know that God cannot die. But when Christ went to the cross, God did not die, but he who died was God. A great mystery of godliness. That he tasted death for all of us. That he came and tasted death for you. That he came and he tasted death for me. That he came and he went all the way and shed his blood that we might be forgiven. That we might come under the blood of the Lamb. The Proto-Evangelium of Genesis 3 and 15 of the serpent and his seed and the woman and her seed. Bruising or crushing the head and bruising the heel. This is at Calvary. And notice here, notice here, this Genesis 3.15 culminates. It terminates. It predicates on this. That Christ is God, yet he is the promised seed of the woman that the Lord had said would come. Listen to what he says to the Pharisees. As they try to trick him, they try to catch him out in his words, to take him, to kill him. Will you turn with me, please, to John, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, please. Verse 27. Listen to what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. These are the words of Jesus. If a Christian said that to somebody today, they'd say it would be unchristlike. If a Christian said this to someone today and say, these words and they said was ungodly, but this is the words of Christ. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are likened unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and full of all uncleanness. You look the part, he's saying. You look the part, but inside you, your heart is rotten and filthy and dead. That's the state of man. This is, as it were, the seed of the serpent. This is the thinking of Cain, trying to kill the seed of the woman. 
And he says to them, you're like whited sepulchers before, like of Passover and other feasts, they would have painted the sepulchers white. You know why? That the moonlight at night would reflect off them because of even some of these most religious Jews, if they brushed against the sepulcher or they fell into a hole beside one, they were unclean and Passover for them was finished. That's, their, that's how tight this religion was. This is the works they were putting on the people. You're too unclean just because you brushed against us. So they painted it white to reflect it. They could see it easier. And Jesus says, oh, you're all painted up. Yeah, you can be painted up and put on your suit, your shirt, and your tie. Spray of aftershave or whatever, your nice dress and whatever, and your perfume, and you're all painted up. But inside, he says, you're like a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. This is the religious hierarchy of the day. These are the people who they're meant to know better. These are the ones that everybody thought they were going to heaven. He says, you're full of dead men's bones. You know, you can put on the face, can't you? People put on a face because they maybe have a depression and they try and put on the face, you know, and inside they're dying. That happens. That happens. But Jesus is saying, you put on the face, you put on the pump, you put on the ceremony, you look the part and you say all the things and you have everybody thinking the same way off you. And this is what he says, you pretend that you're all proper. You know, you're, you're Mr. Nice. You're Mrs. Nice. You pretend that. But I see your heart and inside you're like a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. Notice here. You're full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you garnish the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been, been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. They're fooling themselves now. They're fooling themselves. Notice, we wouldn't have partaken. See if we had lived in the days of Isaiah. See if we had lived in the days of Jeremiah. Or we'd have lived in the days of any of the prophets. We wouldn't have got on like that and we wouldn't have accepted that. We wouldn't have believed that and we wouldn't have done that. And Jesus saying, you're saying that. But I'm telling you, their blood will be on your skirts. This is what he's saying. Because you haven't accepted, you haven't changed. And your heart, he says, is full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness and filthiness. That's how Christ can, as it were, x-ray vision, see into the spirit of the man and the woman. He sees your heart. He knows your mind. He reads your thinking. And you're not fooling him. Notice what he says. In verse 31, Wherefore be ye witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. In other words, you are those the same from Cain. Notice, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Notice what he calls them now in verse 33, ye serpents. Underline it. Ye serpents. Ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? See the word here for serpents? It's a word, ophus. Ophus. And so the Greek word ophus is a serpent. We know what it is. A viper, it's a serpent, a snake. And it's the word ophus. And the exact same word, if you transliterate it in, in the Hebrew, is in Genesis 3.15, or pardon me, in chapter 3, when the serpent comes to Eve. It's the exact same personage. The devil, Satan, Ha-Satan he's called. And it is the same one here. And he's called the Nachash in the Hebrew, the Ophus in the Greek. And when you read what's known as the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the 
the Old Testament as well, in Greek as it is in the New, they tell us it is the exact same word, only different languages, Hebrew and Greek. So Jesus is saying to these men, you ready? Do you see the one that was in the garden? Do you see the one that beguiled Eve? The one Adam listened to rather than God? Do you see the one that caused Cain to kill his brother with fratricide? The one that's brought the infanticide into society today. He says, you are the same. The spirit behind them is the spirit behind you. And you're not right. That's the words of Christ. That's what he's saying. I can stand behind here and tell you that Jesus is gentle and meek and mild and everyone is all right because he loves everybody. And everyone's just the same. Just go and be a good boy, a good girl, a good man and a good woman and everything will be okay. I'm telling you what that says. I'm telling you what that says about you and about me, but it tells us what we were outside of Christ that says what you are if you're not in Christ, if you're not saved. And that's how God will judge you. That's how God sees you. And he goes back again. He hated Cain's murder of Abel. It grieved God in his heart that even his son is still remembering it and talking about it. For remember, he was the one in eternity who watched it. Notice, if you will, in John 8, I'll read it out to you, you can turn if you want, but John 8, 40, 42, John 8 and chapter, four, pardon me, chapter 8 and verse 42, John chapter 8, verse 42, please. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, notice he's speaking to the Jews here, speaking to these leaders as well, they're all gathered around him. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. Think about that. If God were your father, you would love me. You know one of the first, the first things, the first noticeable traits of a person who's saved, I mean saved, I mean saved, blood-bought and blood-washed, a person who's saved. You know one of the first notable traits of their fruit is? Is that they love Jesus. They love the Lord Jesus. If God were your father, he says, you would love me. You know why? Because the father loves his son. And his spirit is within us. And gives us the ability to love his son. A man and a woman who say they know Christ and do not love Christ. I wonder. I wonder. For since I've been saved, I love him. I love him. Who loves him? I love him. I love him. I love him. Because. There's enough of us to sing it. Sing it loud, will you? I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me. And purchased my salvation on my There's nothing like loving Jesus. There's nothing like loving him. Notice what he says here. I'm going to round this up. Thank you for your attention. If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. You know what he's saying? 
I'm God and I've seen what Cain done with Abel. He amplifies this because even if it's in your mind, you've committed this murder. And now he sees, he's seen the, the fratricide, he sees the infanticide. And now he realizes and he knows what he's always known of the deicide. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself. Notice, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You know what he's saying? You know why you're not saved? It's not because you didn't choose me. It's because you can't even hear the word. Think about this. You can't hear my words. That's why the word says, today, if you hear his voice, Harden not your heart. It has to be when you hear his word. It has to be when you hear his word. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. And he's saying here, he says, you know what? You can't hear my word. And then he goes on to say this. Notice the words. Ye are off your father, the devil. And the loss of your father ye will do. Notice, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. What he's telling you tonight, see that spirit from Cain, the seed of the serpent, the devil's a liar. The devil's a liar and Jesus is the truth. The devil's a liar and Jesus is the truth. Notice in John chapter 5 and verse 18. Notice what it says, please, as I round this up. Time is flowing. I want to hear the birds singing again because it was so good, so beautiful. They listened to John 5 and verse 18. It says, the Jews sought the more to kill him. Kill the Christ. Kill him. Remember the woman at the well, John chapter 4? She says, when Messiah comes, we know that he will tell us all things. When Messiah, he's standing in front of her. When Messiah comes, we know he will tell us all things. You know what Jesus said? I that speaketh unto thee am he. In other words, I'm come from God. You're looking at him. And here, this spirit is to kill Jesus. Notice what it says. Because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And hence they took Christ and they brought him to Pilate. They called for his death and they crucified him. The Jews called for it. Pontius Pilate commissioned it. The Roman soldiers carried it out. And brothers and sisters, I claim it. He died for my sin. He died that I might be saved. He gave his life freely that we might be with him in glory. See God's plan. See God's purpose. So I finish with this. The Proto-Evangelium is the first gospel or the precursor to the gospel. Genesis 3 and 15. Looking away down through time. The very spirit of prophecy. Speaking of the coming Christ. Speaking of the Messiah and the Son of God coming. Speaking of the redemption and salvation of our souls. The forgiveness of sin. And all along the spirit of, of the serpent. The evil one is trying to thwart it. And you go home read Revelation 12. And the woman is caught up and goes into the wilderness. That's not the church. And it's not the Roman church. And it's not, it's not, uh, it's not Mary or anyone else. It's Israel given birth. This is the seed of the woman. And then scattered through the west, scattered out. And the Lord Jesus, uh, baby, the child is caught up to heaven. He dies, he's buried, he rises again, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. 
And the seed is the one who's trying to kill him in Revelation 12. But you go to Revelation 20. Do you know where the, pardon me, the serpent's trying to kill him? And you go to Revelation 20. And where's the serpent? The father takes him and casts him in to the lake of fire. The father takes him and casts the serpent into the lake of fire. Let me finish with this. Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley. He wrote the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I suppose in a few weeks' time we'll probably be singing that. But he wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But do you know that there's another verse that they've taken out of that hymn? And for some reason they've taken it out, and it's been omitted from most hymnals. I'm going to read it to you. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Maybe we should reinstate that verse in because all we have spoken about tonight is that seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. So here's what I'll ask you. When we look outside and we see all those who are against the gospel and hateful of Christ, when we see those who are like the tares sown in the field, Matthew 13, you know, they go, uh, the, the man sows seed in his field and the next morning comes and there's tares sowed among the wheat. And it says that while they slept, the enemy came and sowed the tares among the wheat. And know what it says? The, 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 the master of the house comes and he says, an enemy has done this. He didn't say, oh, well, there's a few tares among the wheat and he's going, the enemy has done this. And do you see all that they're up to and all they're doing? We haven't heard the end of it yet. It's only starting. It's coming out like a flood at the minute things. The enemy has done this. No one he done it says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. But you know what? They can try and build their kingdom. They can try and establish their new world order. They can try and rule us, all the nations. But I can tell you, see, according to this, it tells me that the king is coming. The king is coming. The genocide is when you try to kill a king, they tried to kill the king. Revelation 19 says, he's coming and his name written on him is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm Christ's. I'm glad I'm washed in the blood. I'm glad I'm saved and I'm kept for all eternity. I trust you are tonight for this is what God has done that you might be saved. That you might be in his glory. God bless us tonight. Ladies, we just come up and sing another piece. <laughs>